Hello everyone and welcome to And The Winner Was. My name is Joel Winstead and this is my journey. I'm watching every Best Picture winner in order. Started in 1927 with Wings and with each episode I'll be covering a different film with a different guest. With me for the third time, Third Timers Club, Chicago critic Don Shanahan of Every Movie Has a Lesson. Thanks for joining me again for this nonsense. I, I think if I get to five, don't we get a jacket like Saturday Night Live? Would that be awesome? Or like a yeah, it's gonna have something? holes in it, but yeah, perfect. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> find find a shitty suit coat from Goodwill yeah. and hook us up. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'll ship it to you. Uh, also, I don't want to forget. It's also the Cinephile Hissy Fit co-host. Um, I had you on for the a couple of episodes early in, Back in the thirties. Yeah, Cimarron yeah. and Grand Hotel, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep, and now we're kind of gearing towards the end of the second season of the 40s. Yeah, you're, today, you're in a good spot. Today we're talking the best years of our lives, directed by William Wyler, who, if you have been listening along, directed the Best Picture winner, Mrs. Miniver, a couple of years, a couple of episodes ago. Um, written by Robert E. Sherwood, who was a writer on Best Picture winner, Rebecca. It was based on the novel by McKin McKinley Cantor, starring Myrna Loy who was in the Best Picture winner of the grades, I felt. Dana Andrews, Frederick March, uh, and Teresa Wright, who was also in Mrs. Miniver. Um, this is about three World War II veterans returning home to the American Midwest to discover that they and their families have been irreparably changed. Um, you know, it was interesting. Have you seen, have you seen Mrs. Miniver? I have not. That's a blind spot for me, and I'm ashamed to say so. Because isn't that, um, yeah, that's Weiler, and uh, yep. yeah, I need to. Uh, so I need to double back. What was interesting about that film is when they started filming it, World War II America had not entered World War II yet. Yeah, forty-one, right? Yeah. While they were filming it, Pearl Harbor was attacked, um, mm. and they rewrote some stuff, and and so then it kind of came like this war film, and and now and then like Weiler and some of the other guys went to went to war and they made some like, documentary films while they were there. And mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll be, I've referred to it a lot, but the five came back documentary about the, yes. the guys that went to war um, Capra and some stuff. So this is kind of like his, his, you know, another war film from Wilder. And I was very interested to see kind of his sensibility to his, from his experience there and then, you know, coming back and, uh it's a doozy you know it's it's very um it feels it feels personal you know very much so i think um we see i think the the fastest movies that get celebrated are the ones that are that just put a lot of glory into war um whether it's the acts of war or whether it's the heroes that are from it and whatnot and you've got a movie here that for you know tipping three hours that doesn't show you an ounce of warfare but right. it shows you three guys that you don't even know are really heroes or good at their jobs. You assume they are. They made it home. They got some badges on their on their lapels and some medals in their in their pockets. But at the same time, you know this is all about post war, and it's so rare to get those kinds of movies. No matter the war, we don't see a post war movie about Reconstruction. You know, in the Civil War, unless you want to count the second tape on Gone with the Wind. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. we don't. Um, you get this feels like the first one to really kind of do that. And it would turn into like coming home or, um, you know, it, just different movies that maybe are you know, the deer hunter. The second half of the deer hunter would be, would be this down the road where I think Weiler tapped into something of like, Hey, what does our country think of what we just finished? 
and right. how, how 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 can I make a movie about it? How can I tell that story? And a little bit of my own, like you said as well, where or at least the filmmaker's own, I should say. Yeah. And um, you don't you don't get that a lot, and that that totally makes this extremely special. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of I was kind of blown. I didn't know what to expect. I knew kind of what it was about, but I I'd never seen the film before, which is why I'm doing this podcast. Same. Um, and 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 you hadn't seen it before, which I mm. love. I love that we're both kind of coming to this fresh uh it's whatever uh, over almost 100 years old um but you know it starts out with just with them coming home they're like in the taxi or they're trying they're trying to make their way home uh yeah they, they get there and they're all they all three end up like in the same taxi and like the effects that the war has had on them physically and emotionally it's there it's prevalent like right away and, mm-hmm. and instead of cheaply covering like the highlights um of because it could have been like well it's this guy and we're gonna see his story and then it's this guy we're gonna see his story yeah it's like we're in the trenches with these dudes emotionally f- mm-hmm. for like the whole movie and it's i mean it's it gets pretty heavy like considering it sure does considering like the boundaries of the haze code that they were kind of restricted with and and you know the sensibilities of of the people of the day you know yeah it's it's you know it's pushing the envelope for sure yeah, I mean, be, again, yeah. If you if you make this movie today, it's an it's American Sniper. It's F word fest. It's it's, right. it's violent. It, it's meant to be coarse because of the feelings that these men have. But like you, and it, it's not to say that these guys are happy go lucky. Not not one of them is, in my opinion. And and you, I think I think America was expecting maybe expecting just on the cover, oh, best years of our lives. That sounds like such a swirling, wonderful title for like these heroes coming home and they're. And yet you get this movie that is very frank about, hey, no one's really coming back to anything positive or they're not coming back themselves as positive as can be. And they found three, um, three just really dynamically well done characters to to show different sides of it without with enough intersection to be communal and and collegial Mm -hmm. almost in the Mm -hmm. way that they become friends. Just sharing, like you said, sharing a plane ride in a cab together. Um, But at the same time, like. Each has each come from each come from their own backgrounds. Each have their own family dynamics. Each have their own um, uh, flaws that come from the war, and it, n- none of them are like you said. None of them are on the nose and grandiose. I mean, on the nose, I guess when you talk about Russell's amputated arms, but like uh, sure. he, you you watch a guy who's not woe as me about it. You know, he's right. super adept with those things, and uh, mm-hmm. and I and that was kind of part of the the charm of his you know, his piece of the triptych. But um, yeah, I think I think a different movie would oversell the melodrama here massively. Where, you know, with Friedrich March, it'd be oh, Daddy's home, and it would be just a swirling family story thing. And then for Dana Andrews, it's the it's the newlywed, the younger guy, where that would be that would be a hot and passionate thing. And then with mm-hmm. Russell, it would be the pity party. And right. none of them, none of them land like that. The the sensibilities are just amazing i i yeah. and I, I i watched this movie and not i i immediately want to go find the novel and see like how mm. much of this was in there how much of this is hey we got this guy russell who's got the two arms thing and and like how, how much of this was movie magic how much of this came from some other cores right right yeah i mean i, I think weiler's sensibilities as a director but also as a war vet yeah kind of really helped lean into a lot of these things he was a major in the air force he was a, a bombardier like like fred mm-hmm. um and he used a lot of his experience as a vet and like coming home and i think that's why fred is the most 
I think nuanced um, yeah. of the characters. I, obviously, he's feeling like displaced and having nightmares, but instead of like a brooding jerk or having scenes where he's like breaking down and getting all like actory, like yeah. nowadays that role would be reduced to like Oscar bait monologues and like crying. Totally. And, you know what I mean? Like driving home like the mental health issues of, of that we're experiencing oh, yeah. today a lot. And there would be like larger than life, you know, or they would be like larger than life heroes, like yeah. um, like Born on the Fourth of July or Lieutenant Dan. And, Great example. And like Deer Deer Hunter shows like kind of before and after, and but it's it's much more like stylized kind of in a way. Yeah. Um, this I think this like humanizes these people, but it's played almost nonchalant, especially by yeah. by Dana Andrews and like a really you know. I, I really commend Weiler for allowing kind of that to happen. I agree. I think it feels much more effective and it kind of creeps into your skin differently. Um, this is Weiler's first post-war film. And I think that really shows, I think all that stuff, that he had, kind of bottling inside, he's kind of like put on here. Um, you know, a lot of the film directors made armed forces documentaries when they were at war and Weiler really tried to make this feel like a documentary. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of times like he had he had the cast pick their own clothes off the rack and the he casted like non-actors obviously with with hooks for hands and yeah um it's all really felt you know um it's all very lived in and um yeah i just i was kind of i was really taken with it and again with the boundaries of the haze code um you still have a movie with some with some balls to be unafraid to kind of have yeah. those issues and it'll say it in sly ways and it won't say it in grandiose um monologue filled stump filled ways but like right even like that first scene with um dana andrews going through the airport and the the rich guy who can get a plane ticket ahead of him oh, right, right, right. you know like uh i know they said like the idea like if this was two three years ago any american would, would move over happily for a man in uniform like you know the war effort was just so positive and just so right. forward that like people would just bend over backwards for soldiers and look how 1947 look how fast after the war all of that um support kind of wanes and changes and yeah and you don't you don't need a big speechifying thing you don't need a big you know karen level starbucks argument to, sure. to make that point it's just you do subtle little things like the treatment of his bosses and his future's employers. You you got the guy at the airport, you um, and then you have just the bar owners and of course all the the love interests and wives and, and, yeah. and girlfriends. Where it it doesn't come out like you said in in huge loud things. Where Deer Hunter Deer Hunter to me was the closest comp to this, but you said it best when you said like stylized, like mm -hmm. you know um, you have a movie here with with no foul language, no massive violence, and yet there's not an ounce of lost drama or importance to what the issues of what they're trying to do, which mm. means that this movie, unlike something like the deer hunter can be seen by a completely wider audience. You can put this movie on in high school to kids and be, and they would, uh, you, right. and you frame the idea of the war and the war efforts and be like, Hey, this is kind of what coming home was like. It wasn't all ticker tape parades and right. especially for the little guys, you know, and it kinda, not, you know heroes it, and soldiers and names, you know, it just shows the juxtaposition of how like jaded and, and, um kind of horrendous the the vietnam vets were mm. when they came back and like right the, these guys are returning from like you know toppling a dictator you know what i mean yeah like, and and like no no bigger victory than what they did <laughs> twice europe yeah. and japan yeah Huge. and so you know seeing seeing them come come home as what should you know are should be heroes you know and and um you know what we're talking about, like Born on the Fourth of July, Lieutenant Dan, mm -hmm. 
um, these other comp steer hunter. I mean, that's all Vietnam. That's all, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's not as jaded, you know, quite yet. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting to kind of see a war film because even the war, World War II films that have come out, obviously after the the seventies and eighties, I'm thinking like Saving Private Ryan and things like that. Right. You have that kind of post Vietnam anti-war thing and it's yeah. it's a different it hits differently in 46 than it does in 1998 totally. you know that's the time capsule you have to put yourself in is like if we if this movie was made today hindsight 2020 is huge because it's been 80 years and mm-hmm. someone could make a movie with these sensibilities and these attitudes because these attitudes are so well known but to do it two years after the war right in the moment of 1947 that's huge i mean what we don't have movies that that we didn't have a anti yeah maybe coming home you know maybe something in the 70s right on the heels of vietnam was close to this we definitely didn't have this with afghanistan we definitely didn't have this with uh, with uh iraq like jarhead was 10 years too late um yeah. it just movies like that that are just not they, they're not as topical and not as immediate and not as right in your face as this is two years after a conflict yeah. Normally we get to this, like you said, years later where I think you're right. Like post-Vietnam, any World War II movie Hollywood made for the most part, because Vietnam was such a bad taste in our mouths, like we had to have good guys again. Right. You know, we, we need we need Saving Private Ryan. We need our heroes. We need the, the poetry of the thin red line, even though I can't stand Terrence Malick. But like he's there <laughs> sure. to say he's there to say good things amongst the bad things and, and still yeah. poeticize yeah. a tough spot. Um, or we have Pearl Harbor, Michael Bay stuff, yeah, you know, oh, where gross. the sentiment's on. Yeah, I know. But the sentiment is on 100 percent where no one's questioning those guys um, yeah. and the, yeah, yeah, those yeah. efforts the way that Weiler two years after is putting a question right. mark on it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen so many war films as a kid and a young adult. Like I, I sought them out for the action. Sure. Um, and like as an adult with children, it's like it's harrowing, you know, to, to watch these films and seeing these husbands and fathers um, dying. Um, but out of all those films, I've never really seen one that really drove home the idea that, that due to the influx of soldiers returning home, not only could they not get their old jobs back, but Mm -hmm. people were like concerned about losing their jobs to servicemen. Yeah. Literally never occurred to me. Um, and, and, and also like to a lesser extent, like so many people returning home from war with physical disabilities, like World War II obviously had like more advanced like battlefield like wound care so like, if you lost your arm or leg you wouldn't necessarily bleed out or die of bacteria infection yeah so there's this also this world inf- war one yeah <laughs> right so there's also like an influx of like injured people returning home and like I, you know there's not a whole lot of when you know well there's, there's no there's no handicap services there's no right. handicap accommodations there's no labeled ptsd for counselors none of that exists none of that and so like when you see you know someone you know obviously if some like two hand hooks for hands would be Mm. like little kids would stare at them nowadays but like adults we'd be like more more adaptive like we're seeing we're accustomed to seeing these type of injuries being not you know a death sentence and and it really kind of just it really drives home like the 1946ness of all of it and like the reality of what they were actually coming home to and like mm-hmm. the what was available to them in both at a mental and physical like health standpoint yeah you and know? the answer I, is the answer is little to none where it's yeah back to pulling up bootstraps the old tradition of a soldier you know and yeah, it's, i know it and and like how can that 
how can the, how can the soldiers who come home, the men who come home, shift those gears to be like? And I love it with the with again with Dana Andrews's character, where uh, you know he would he's he you could tell he's a um, a disciplined guy who would who would take on a challenge and a job, but no one's willing to give it to him and until the end. And, and which is even then it's unanswered because we know he's trying it and we figure he's going to do okay. And I guess we got that wedding scene where he, yeah. he turns out all right, but uh, yeah. but um, yeah, like how many. How many forthright, good-spirited people still get turned away because of good old-fashioned experience and qualifications, which is probably a job problem we still have. Well, well, not only that, but like you know, Dana, uh, you know, Fred Derry, Dana Andrews' character, my favorite mm-hmm. character in the movie. Same. He he felt he feels so displaced. And he feels yeah. so like at odds with where he's at and like who he, you know, his, his wife and they obviously got married oh. in the haste before he went off to, to war. And then she's obviously been like messing around when he's gone. And, and like, you know, one of the real things I love about watching Weiler's work is he knows how to fill a frame, mm. but he also like, he had all the sets built like life size and like yeah. a little bit smaller. So like yeah. kind of get that claustrophobic, like, you know, like that internal, like something's not quite right here. Like it's something's mm-hmm. a little off and, the and walls I also are closing think, in. Yeah. yeah Especially and like guys you, who are unbound, you know, you really feel that with Dana's character. Cause that's, you know, cause, cause Frederick March, you know, Al, he's, he's dealing with the war and, and he's got some PTSD, but he drill, you know, he's like the alcoholic guy, you know? And yeah. like, it also like, it doesn't glamorize alcohol, but it's not necessarily saying like you shouldn't drink alcohol. I think it's definitely mm-hmm. like yeah. he needed that. He needed yeah. that drink. We're he still needed- in the 40s where, hey, you need it. You know, they, how do these guys bunk through a cigarette, you know, and some matches, right. you know, like right. that's just how that that's the era, you know? Yeah. And like Harold Russell, the real life yeah. uh, guy who plays Homer is like a real life vet who lost his hands. Uh, he was holding a box of TNT that exploded in his hands. <laughs> and um you know, he, he he has his obviously like wounds, but like Dana Andrews had to play the the PTSD when there wasn't the label PTSD, like that wasn't even a thing. Yeah. Um, and I just he just plays it so well. I think it's kind of criminal how much work he didn't get and like the recognition he didn't get for this particular role. Like, I I, I I'll even go so far as to say he should have been the lead actor Oscar winner instead of Friedrich March. You know, uh, I 100% agree. I, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think, March is always great, but yeah. Andrews hits it out of the ballpark, and he's the core of this film. He's the core of it, and like he's he's the one with the the biggest arc, and he's the one yep. that you. I mean, he's he's the lead. I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I, I know mean, Friedrich's the bigger name, but ah, come on, you got to give that guy a shot. And and I think um I think the other thing is like you said, he had he's the core. He has the most um he has the most complicated is the most complicated arc as well because Friedrich could come in and just be the esteemed man that he is and now just dealing with the bankers and the societal issues that come with being the person he is and then Russell Russell got his just due in terms of just being a uniquely uh, you know untrained actor and and nailing it in an untrained spot uh, and obviously having the disabilities he has but like Mm -hmm. he's still a pretty happy-go-lucky guy and and gets to portray a happy-go-lucky guy but man the heavy lifting is all Andrews Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep 100% agree um because that's another '40s thing is like, you can't like divorce isn't super on the table, nor not like it is '60s and further. You know, like divorce was there, but it was a, you know, a gasping thing that you just don't do, and or less so. So like he's got 
big hurdles to get through, not just the employment ones. Right, right. No, hundred, yeah, 100% agree. You had said that one of the things that did was share a cigarette. Um, so when, when Homer's lighting the cigarette, and yeah. after the second one, he asked if anyone's superstitious. And yeah, I heard I, this one. That, like, stuck in my cross. So I was trying to figure out, like, mm-hmm. what that meant or why he said that. Did you look it up? So I, I looked it up. Answer. Yeah, it up. What it, what it, well, maybe it's different than the one I looked up. What's your answer? Okay. Uh, I heard that it was a World War One thing that um, at night, snipers will see the match light. Yeah. And go, oh, something's going on. Load my gun. Right. So by the time they're ready, where the match goes second to the man you're lighting the cigarette for is likely the target or likely the person that the, you know, the sniper will follow the match towards. Right. That's the kill shot person. And then, and if you, they miss in the second one, they're definitely hitting the third guy. Right. So the third guy uh, had to be a separate match, a separate target. So it's right. Right. Is that what you heard? Yeah. That, that, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's Crazy story. Like, yeah. If, if you light it, if it's the third guy, then that guy's getting shot or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just kind of like, you know, you would only know that by like being in the military. World War One. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. So I love that it was in there because it's this is for vets. And also, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of like helps you kind of like you're still kind of they're in this world. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah, I, 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 the part that keyed me into this movie, I mean, that opening plane ride is just real. And, and it obviously extends into the cab ride, but like, um, just kind of the, the guarded and protective way that March and Andrews look at Russell initially, mm-hmm. like they show, they let him be, you know, they mm-hmm. step back and go, all right, looks like he can figure this whole thing with the hooks out. And, mm-hmm. and, but they still kind of have that pause and they have that, let me just watch and make sure he's okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of protective sympathy for him. Yet at the same time, you know, here comes, you know, here comes Russell just lifting the room from being a morose. Yeah, I guess I'm going home. Right. I hope my wife's still there. You know, like yeah. he, he's the, he's the, he's the fizz uh, of yeah. the movie. And, and it's so, and it's lovely that, that the untrained unknown gets that spot. Um, but it, to see the, the pros um, play off of him was, was really touching to watch. I, I, I was hooked in from there. Like, oh man, these three, Easter could be fun to watch. I hope they end up yeah. at that bar. You know, like the, the well, way because that was the cab. dynamic. You know, like not only were were Dana and and, and Friedrich, you know, uh, higher up in the war, but they're also like higher ups in status, like as actors, and they were kind of yeah protecting him in, in both the senses. Yeah, I I, I picked I picked up on that, and I really like that. I also really like because you know like if this was like a Frank Capra movie, honestly, or if it was like sure or nowadays, like I feel like Homer's disability would been been more like a detriment to him but he's already like mastered it he knows how to do anything and everything with his with his hooks and his biggest hurdles are like what are people gonna think of Mm -hmm. of me and like how am i gonna get treated by like my my girl that i have back home and yeah he he are the hooks are fine like he's living with that and like he's like honestly like made his peace with it and he's like good with it Mm -hmm. and i like that there wasn't like there was a small scene about how he said he was like you know, when he doesn't have his hooks on, he's like a like a naked little baby or whatever. Yeah, um, which is actually not but true because the actor in real life can totally is just fine with that. I heard that too. Yeah, um, but, but like we said before, it wasn't "woe is me, look at me." Oh, I need that. Right. Like it wasn't a cry for help at any exactly. Point. And like there was never yeah. a scene of him like fumbling with something and then uh, losing it because you know. And yeah. I, I just I really like that he was always fine like, with it. 
Yeah, because like even Lieutenant Dan has that scene where like you know these effing legs, you know, like right. he, he eventually our favorite lovely Lieutenant Dan gets past it and becomes a great person with it. But for a long time, he's mm. an absolute turd about it. So yeah, yeah, I think um while we're on Russell, um I think the scene that brought me closest to tears is watching when when his girlfriend puts him to bed, and yeah. and they kind of cross that line slash threshold of like here. Um, if you care about me that much, come see, come see the real process I have to do. And, right. and, and she doesn't flinch. She's, she is beautiful in that scene where I don't think she leaves eye contact with him for a second. Yeah. She's there for everything that would normally, like you said, maybe repulsive person who's not ready for it or whatnot. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a lovely, lovely scene. It's yeah, so it good. Is. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, like it showed it showed what it what a, you know, a real life situation and what these what these vets need. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't and it wasn't showing it in like a tie a pretty ribbon all on their like stories kind of thing. It, it just kind mm. of was like you know these are our stories. This is what happens when we yeah. come home and like this is this is what we need. You know we might need a night out where we get blasted with our buddy right. from war and um, you know we might need like and a the- nightcap or a drink yeah. to settle our nerves or whatever. You know what I mean? Like. I, I again I, I think another movie would put these try to vault these three men into bigger higher positions yeah. like born on the fourth of July they'd be an activist they'd be right. they'd be something louder and prouder than they are but no you have a banker an unemployed soda pop guy and a guy with two hooks for hands you know mm-hmm. who's living off the government aid and that's that's it they're, they're not trying to do more get more be more lead more they're right. just existing and and that, and that noble Noble, simple existence is fascinating. Right. And I, and, and, and it's, you know, the whole entire emphasis is on the soldiers and it's not mm. on the war itself or America as a, it's not like WW2 back to back world champs. You know yeah, what I mean? It's not, exactly. it's not yeah. that at all. It's, it's very, it's very, there's no horn tooting insular. Yeah. I, oh man. Yeah. And I, I love that. Cause there's a lot of that stuff going on in these movies. <sighs> um, where they, they throw in just like, you know, you know, this uh, so great America stuff um, mm-hmm. because of the war. Um, and it, it comes off as schlocky. Oh, sure. I think um, I think the AFI read it right. Like, um, I remember seeing the list where this was the number 11 inspiring movie on the AFI Top 100 when they did those other categories. And mm-hmm. I think it was number 37 on the Top 100 overall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, number 37 overall, number 11 inspiring movie. And, yeah, I get why. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, it's definitely, it. yeah. I mean, it, inspiring is, I think, yeah, the perfect word for it. Cause, cause not only, not only is like seeing Homer's life and how he's dealing with things really inspiring, but also like um, comforting to watch, like, like he's going to be okay. Yeah, uh, but it also kind of gave it, for, you know, like I said, this is a time capsule for the time. The women in this movie are very um, well represented, especially so. I like I really like Peggy's character. I could, well, yeah. her because her and Dana, and then I like Dana a lot. But you know, she, Dana was married and she's not, mm-hmm. and she was just straight up like, "I'm gonna ruin this guy's marriage. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. be the other woman." And she was like, mm-hmm. "I'm gonna do that, mom and dad." Like it was, yeah. 
<laughs> it was I couldn't believe what I was watching. I could not believe that those were uttered sentences in a yeah. movie from 1946. And even Loy, like it, it, that's I know that's meant to be a stand by your man, husband, wife at home part opposite right. Friedrich, but uh, right. she still gets her her wisdom out and her and her leadership. Like, hey, I've I've been holding this down while you're gone, and I can still hold this down when you're back. I'm I'm still yeah. uh, behind the. We all know this as married men. Behind the door is master of the household is the wife, and she plays <laughs> yeah. that, you know. And it's not yeah. a, you know. I think a different again in a different movie, it would just be a love interest, you know, it, it, or it would be like, you know, take me to bed or lose me forever. It'd be top gun level, like you know, right? It'd be hotter, and it doesn't have yeah. to be at all, yeah. You know, and then by the time you get again, you get to Russell's girl, where it's just chaste and quaint and yeah. lovely. Like yeah. that's and you're right. It's very well yeah. represented women yeah. characters that aren't that aren't damsels in distress, aren't problems to solve. Maybe mm -hmm. the maybe the bad wife is a problem to solve. But uh, but again, even then, she they they treat her as you know what she's gonna be that way, and they're just they're not trying <laughs> yeah. to correct her. Right. She's not having a moment of like a come to Jesus moment of oh I was all wrong, I was totally wrong. Like right. there's no saving that either, and they let that wither and die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I, I it was really it was really kind of, uh, you know, I because there was some like Hitchcock stuff. Like, there's a lot of like um, uh, affairs and that kind of thing. Sure. In in, in this time, but uh, you know, when we're talking like prestige, best picture winners, like these are the ones that the studios are really pushing. This is like the heartbeat yeah. of the 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 pulse of you know this is what America's watching, and to see Fred. Dana's character really like mm -hmm. macking on Peggy and like knowing he's oh, yeah. married and like she knew he was married and definitely entertained that and like they went to lunch like I don't know there was just a lot there was a lot there that you know I was not expecting to to be seeing yeah and, and I know that there was some of this obviously some of these things were happening in these movies of the era and there's plenty of movies of this right. era that I haven't seen like, but... um isn't this the same year as um, how long ago was brief? Oh, this is the same year. This is the same year as Brief Encounter, uh -huh. which kind of does that whole we're going to watch an affair happen on screen, aren't we? Between two people who are not supposed to be together who make it a point with train stations to do such a thing. And then uh -huh. um, it's David Lean in a real short movie. If you, I, it's not some three hour David Lean, it's a tight uh -huh. 85 minute David Lean. I highly recommend that one where. Yeah, the same year, infidelity is a, I don't want to say it's a theme because there's hundreds of movies a year, especially this era, but uh, right. it's there, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but again, um, unspoken in how deep can you take right. that? I'm just so used to seeing it like very day. coded, you know, and very oh, like yeah, totally. sub subtext. And, you know, it's like, I can't tell you how many times I've been on this podcast. So I'm like, they're fucking right. Like, that's that's a thing. Yeah, like, yeah. that's happening. Right. Like, you <laughs> read the rules. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I know you've read the rules where, like, what you can show on screen, where you can even suggest on right. screen, let alone. Because, again, in different hands, yeah, uh, Dana's or Fred, Fred's wife would be, we'd have three love scenes with other men. You know, it, they would go ahead and show it. You know, sure. and, right. Yeah. Right. right. Or, or, or this Peggy thing would be hotter. You know, yeah. Um, or, no, like, if this was nowadays, Dana would come home and he opens the door and she's getting yeah. plowed on the couch. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. That's, that's yeah. what would be. Uh huh. Yeah, he he'd be William H Macy and Boogie Nights, you know. <laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd be bad. It would be, it would be, and I'm and I'm glad that, you know, like it avoided a lot of tropes. It avoided tropes of of totally. that nature and and of like the rah rah you know war tropes. Yeah, I mean, mm. 
overall, like I was, I was kind of blown away by this movie because there's, there's been plenty of war movies that I've seen from the World War One movies to, to the World War Two movies, and, I, and there's more World War Two movies to come. Um, yeah. And and it's it's gonna be hard to measure up to this one because this one's not. It's like a it's. It's propaganda, but it's like soldier propaganda. It's not America propaganda. It's not war effort propaganda. It's, it's like nationalist. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's more, but it's not. But you're right. It's not a yeah soldier propaganda. Even then, it's it's a soft version of it because it's not the right. it's right. not American sniper of like right. oh no, look no. how badass our soldiers are. Yeah, it's it's look how human our soldiers are. Now, yeah. I don't know what yeah. ganda to call that, but it's something. You're right. Yeah, but it, I mean it. But yeah, because. I just, yeah, I just, I love that it, it really focuses on the soldiers and the soldiers plight and that like, I've never, I don't think I've ever identified more with a soldier and a soldier's plight. And I've seen like all of the war right. movies um, we've been talking about, right? Yeah. Cause yeah, you've there. And there's so and they're like the ones that we're talking about are so much more in your face and stronger where you would think they would elicit mm-hmm. big, big responses born on the 4th of July, you know, mm-hmm. deer hunter, the stuff we've been talking about, but mm-hmm. something about this one just says, Damn! Look at that. That's real. That's that matters. That's something. And honestly, the, only, the, the other one that like I really connected with the soldiers was All Quiet on the Western Front in like 1930. But that was right. during the war. This wasn't. There was no right. post-war. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I need to see. I need to see Coming Home with John Voight and John, Jane Fonda. I hear that's a a good after effects of the war. Where where do men and women? Where do relationships fit? And mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a good one. I need to watch that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this. You know, this one. Yeah, it just it wasn't in your face, but it was it just showed the reality of, of what it's like to be a soldier coming home mm-hmm. and trying to fit into, you know, whatever is left for you. You know, there's people worried that, you know, he's like, well, I don't want that guy to take my job. And it's just like, dude, just sacrificed his life. Like, yeah. Come on. Or ma- make room, you know, like you yeah. know, sc- scoot over on the bus, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the You're on the Oscars with this whole thing. Like, um. This was a seven Oscars massive sweep here. This was picture, director, screenplay, mm-hmm. editing, score, actor, supporting actor, and then that tack on honorary for Russell. So, mm-hmm. uh, how do you feel about the? Well, the thing is with the Oscars, like this was the you know this was the It's a Wonderful Life year where revisionist yeah. history. That's everyone's number one pick. No one's no, not mine. Not mine. No, no, no. I I see the quality of this one where I, I It's a Wonderful Life is very very good. And you and you you've heard me talk about it to you and other people. Yeah. I'm a best versus favorites guy. Where yes, right, right, it's wonderful right. life is a lifelong favorite, but it, but it's still when you sit down and think about it, it's it's the weird fantasy science fiction wannabe you know right. suicidal dad story versus <laughs> yeah. topical poignant you know a big story that matters. Where now that I've seen this one because this was the first time rolling it, the right movie won. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's I, I'll even put. That's- that's yeah. Capra's first post World War II movie as well. Um, we talk about a couple of. It's a little dark. Uh, it I am on record of saying I do not like It's a Wonderful Life. I I, I oh, like fake Capra right. movies. I like. Yeah. Uh, I really like um, the one that I can never think of the name that I covered uh, on this podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah. But yeah, It's a Wonderful Life. Not for me. I, I get it. Um, yeah, I, I'd even be so I would even go so far as because I advertised it earlier, like on paper, playing the metrics, Brief Encounter is a better movie than It's a Wonderful Life, where mm-hmm. you can put that one in here. And it's mm-hmm. yeah. Talk about a stud year because this is Weiler, Lean, Capra. Whew, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It won Best Picture, it won Best Actor in a Leading Role for Friedrich mm-hmm. March, and won Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Harold Russell. 
won best director, won best writing for Sherwood, best editing, yeah. and best music. And then mm-hmm. uh, Harold Russell got the um, the bonus one. That we'll talk about that a little bit later. And the only one I didn't yeah. win was nominated for was was sound recording. Um, wow. So yeah, okay. def- definitely around the table. Um, is, is there is is there a supporting actress you wish from this movie could have made this field? Um, I mean, I love Peggy. I think that I mean she yeah, she was part. on a roll. Um, that actress was on a roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me get let me get my let me get my shit straight. Right, let me get the better notes here too. Do, 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 do. Out of, out of turn. Uh, oh, Teresa, Teresa Wright. Yeah, Teresa Wright. Um, she. She Friday won for Angels, Mrs. Right? Miniver, uh-huh. but she was nominated for Pride of the Mrs. Yankees. Mrs. Miniver in 1943 won, nominated for Pride of the Yankees in 43, nominated wow. for Little Foxes in 92. Um, wow, that's a run. That's, and, the, that's and that's Indiana like kind of like her, there, yeah. yeah, that's kind of like her coming out too. Like that was like her, mm-hmm. uh, it was just like boom, 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 one, two, three. Uh, I mean, she's, I mean, she's did, she did stuff. She was acting up until like the, the mid nineties until you know, she passed amazing. away. Like, she yeah, I mean, five, she was I in see that. Coppola's uh-huh. uh, Rainmaker. Um, How about that? Oh, I remember her in Rainmaker. That's right. Yeah. She's the old lady that Damon lives with. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have loved to, I love, would have loved to have seen um, Teresa Wright get in there. She just, I think she's a phenomenal actress mm-hmm. um and it was really really doing a lot of great stuff in the 40s that's for sure in doing this podcast it's a sidebar question but uh i'm curious um when you get to these years uh, each of the years that you do do you ever check in on the same blind spots that are there for like the nominees that didn't win like um, I, you've seen it's wonderful life you've now yeah, seen the best I, years I, of lives. uh i haven't yet i haven't yet yeah. i think when i get into the later films and it's like those big blind spots that's like you know like i've not seen Shakespeare in Love, the one that beat Saving uh-huh. Private Ryan, but like, um, like things like that, and like I had already yeah. seen Citizen Kane, but so okay. when we so when we did Hogwarts by Valley, but if I had not seen it, I've been like, well, I gotta see that one. Yeah, um, so I think that's the sequel podcast you can do, and the loser was, and the loser <laughs> or the winner should have been. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I just, I my whole yeah. plan when I first started this, I was gonna watch everything nominated, mm, and then that could be fun. I realized that that was going to be a shitload of movies because yeah. there's a lot of years where there was like 10, sometimes 12, oh, 13 yeah. nominees. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're in the five nominee territory for a little while. Um, yeah. But to answer your question, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause no I, I'm looking at the roster. Like I haven't seen the razor's edge, I, which is like early noir. I haven't seen Henry the fifth with Olivier, the yearling. Yeah. I think I've seen, cause it's a Disney thing that my grandparents would have put in front of me, but uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, no, I I haven't seen like yeah Henry V, Winner for Life I've seen, Razor's Edge and Yearling have not seen. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I yeah. don't think I've even heard of them. Um, what um what were you thinking about with Russell? What was I thinking about with Russell? Oh oh the thing with Russell. So so he mm-hmm. he got this award. Um, so he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, and nobody thought he was going to win. And so Ooh. the academy, that category. the academy that came up here? and was like, "We're going to give you an honorary award for for bringing hope and courage to his fellow veterans through his appearance yeah. in the best years of our lives." I love um, that. Yeah. And then he ended up winning cool. best um, supporting actor, and he was not, you know, not something that he thought he was going to do, but he right. I mean, he beat out. Um, 
I'm looking at that category, and the one that screams at me is Claude Rains from Notorious because that's Claude awesome Rains, part. Clifton awesome Webb, part. William Demerset, and Charles Ooh. Coburn. Um, yeah, I, I think he just had a lot of heat on him. You know, it was just one of those years yeah. where the guy had a lot of heat. He was, a, mm-hmm. you know, a wounded the sympathy, the, yeah, yeah. We've seen it even in our life. The sympathy winner that maybe shouldn't win wins through. We've yeah. seen it. So I mean, so I mean, Homeboy won two awards for the same role. I don't um, think I think the stat is no one else ever has, right? Yeah, yeah. He's Amazing. the reason that there's a clause that you can't. So he's the reason that there's a clause that you can't just outright sell your Academy Award. Oh. Um, so y- you have to offer it to the Academy first for a dollar. Okay. And <laughs> okay. and then they have thirty days to do it or not, and then you can sell it. But his story, who knows if it's how true it is, but this is the story, is that he right. says that he needed to sell one of his Oscars to pay for his wife's, his dying wife's medical bills, oh sold it for a bunch of money, okay. and then took the money, and him and him and his presumably not near-death wife went for a very nice cruise. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I think either way, good for him. Uh, it's your Oscar. Do what you want with it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. I've seen that, the story here. Private auction or private sold it to a private collector sixty thousand dollars in ninety two. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's good money in nineteen ninety two. Man. Huh. Hilarious. Uh this was also the first movie to win the uh best picture at the Academy Awards, the BAFTAs, and the Golden Globes. Those mm. are all going sweet. Yeah, yeah, and it just it, it just swept everything. It was the most um, the most successful movie money wise since Gone with the Wind. Like this movie was that's saying something huge. Yeah, um, and a three hour movie. It's uh, I mean three hours. It's like Gone with the Wind. Like yeah, people, people. This was what people did back in the day. They weren't binging stuff on Netflix. It's no, let's go to the cinema for three hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean Gone with the Wind. I I feel that runtime, man. That movie's that so long. Yeah. I did not really get that. This one, right? it's a big uh, yeah, one. that one, that one's a, a little bit over. Yeah, but um, this one didn't. It didn't feel like super, you know. And no. we'll get like next episode. We're talking gentlemen's agreement, and that one is two hours long. It feels yeah. like four hours long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something there for that one, but yeah, no. This one, these, these one was it one seventy two. I mean, that's eight minutes short of three hours. This did move well, and I think what made it move well and it won best editing was um. Just the the amount of time you inter interweave yet still separately tell these three men's stories, and I yeah. think um, had you done like three big fat acts, you know, yeah. um, where you spend fifty minutes on each guy, and then right. maybe fifteen minutes to open the movie, fifteen minutes to end the movie, where they're together, where you deliberately spend a way too much amount of time in one place, yeah, you would get bored. But the, yeah. they they weave this so there, I don't. I can't name a scene that's like there's just a collection of a lot of small scenes. Nothing's yeah. like 15, 20 minute diatribe stuff. Right. Right. And th- I think that's a testament to like Weiler and, and his staying totally. power as a director. And like, I'm really, I am really loving Weiler stuff. I really, lo- Mrs. Miniver had a couple of scenes that like that, those scenes will stick with me for a very long time. And there's a scene in this movie where, um, so Peggy is Al's son. And hmm. Dana is really liking Peggy, but Al knows that Dana is a fucking mess and that he's married and right. is and is so he meets Al meets Dana at this bar. 
and it's basically just like back off like i like you i respect you but this is this ain't happening you know papa bear right. says, says no and he's like I, you're gonna call her and just tell her that it's over and so he goes while they're there homer happens to come in and is like wants to show al this song he can play on the piano with his mm -hmm. hands and so Al goes over to the piano and is listening to Homer play the piano. And in the background, just over Al's shoulder is Dana making this, you know, gut punch of a phone call to Peggy to tell him like it's over. And so like, mm. there's like this dichotomy of Al trying to be happy for Homer and like being happy that Homer can play the song and, and, and Homer's like crushing it, playing chopstick. And then just over his shoulder, I mean, it's like, I don't know, it's like a film lesson you know what i mean yeah. it's like you know i'm sure they show that in classes everywhere like it's you know the it's just a you know like i said before at the top of the episode like wilder knows how to like fill a frame and, yeah the and, light it's amazing and, and i'd love to and, see i mean I, I think we're both feeling like dana andrews is the lead but like i'd love to see the stopwatch of like screen time at russell in march still get where i can yeah. They, but you don't even realize it. Like, oh wow, they're yeah, still in the movie. Right. Two hours out. Sure, yeah. Mark probably had it in his rider that he had to have. Yeah, good point. Out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, o overall, for me, this is a four and a half, five star movie. This is supposed to be. Yeah. It's uh, same. I I don't do halves. You know me. Uh, straight to five. This was no yeah. doubt slam dunk. It was amazing. Yeah. 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 Glad I watched it. I mean, this is this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, I, I have yeah. so many blind spots, and this is a good way to I feel like you know some people turn their nose up at the Academy Awards but I think it's a good a good way to to watch a bunch of movies that are in the zeitgeist and to kind of That's um, right. you know fill in those blind I, spots and just to understand the the flow of culture like you, you like you said you're going to see these years where like man how, why how why is how green is my valley here and citizen keen isn't like you mm -hmm. you get to the you'll just kind of reach a point of like oh that's why you know and yeah. just understand people and I don't know history yeah. in that kind of way you're on the right track man Always and I had Will. I had Will on for How Green's My Valley, and we both were like, "This is really good." Like, yeah, I don't care. Citizen Kane Laws. This is a good movie. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, also nominated this year. We've kind of talked to him about him, but just for the sake of the uh, podcast, also nominated was Henry V. Mm -hmm. It's a Wonderful Life, The Razor's Edge, and The Yearling. Um, any other last 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 thoughts? Uh, no, I, I just, um, for those folks who are listening, who are like, who are just shaking their head at us, not talking about it's a wonderful life in the year that it was up for Oscars, but didn't win any as, uh, folks, like if you want to know why sit down and yeah. watch brief encounter, yeah. sit down and watch this one and, and, and come again, bring some coffee and some patience, but, uh, <laughs> you'll see why, um, have that, um, I mean, yes, the the subjective love that is there for It's a Wonderful Life is is powerful. It is really something. But sit down and put yourself in like like we've been saying, put yourself in this time capsule and just go, wow, they said that then, and it it, it just matters more. It matters more than again, suicidal dad at Christmas, you know. So <laughs> right, yeah. right, yep. Or you know, just don't even watch this formal life at all. It's you know, you don't need to. <laughs> Old. I can't do that, but I I get what you're saying. So. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll be back next week talking with Dan. We're actually not going to go anywhere. We're going to record back-to-back -back as we discuss Gentleman's Agreement. If you want to watch that and be ready for the next episode, you can currently find it available to rent on Amazon for a couple of bucks. Um, you can find this show on Twitter at WinterWestPod. 
Facebook, and the winner was podcast. I'm on Letterboxd. Find me over there. Email the show and tell me what you think. Winner was podcast at gmail.com. Dan, we're Don. Dan. Don, where can we find you in your stuff? Sure. Um, if you search social media for um, uh, Don Shanahan or every movie has a lesson, you'll find my stuff. Um, I'm publishing my reviews at Film Obsessive, uh, spinning off of 25 Well Media, and the podcast that Will Johnson, a guest of Joel's, has been is uh, is the Cinephile His Fit Podcast. You can find that at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Perfect. Thanks. Find it. Listen to the podcast. Uh, I want to big thank you to Casey Townsend at Waterway Music. Uh, for the intro and outro music, you can find him at waterwaymusicnc.com.